is in is with us as we struggle to make these decisions. Um, the thing that uh, helps me is to remember that the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. He is among us, and He will help us. And when we, I'm also thankful that some good discussions are happening. And so we appreciate your feedback, and we appreciate the opportunity that we have to even build community in the midst of of difficulties or hard discussions. Um, and I'm thankful for the grace and love that we share in this church um, that is really evident in our fellowship as we stumble along this path together. Um, it, it, all of this, I think, points to the tension that we have in Advent where it's already but not yet. And we live, we see that, I think, really profoundly now. Um, please join me in prayer, and um, then the worship team will lead us in a new song as a preparation for our time of worship. Please join me in prayer. Come be our hope, Jesus. Guide us. Meet with us in this time of worship, because you are the God of hope. Fill us with all joy and peace as we trust in you so that we may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I just realized that one thing we need to do is also share our screen so that <laughs> the people, as you can see, I'm showing uh, the people on the Google Meet. You are now seen by the people that are here at church right now, um, and they're waving at you. Uh, but I also realized I need to share my screen so that they can see the words. There we go. Okay. Hey, are on Google Meet, can you see the Welcome New Life Church? Perfect. All right. Perfect, perfect. So... Awesome. So the song that we're singing this morning is called, um, it's a playoff of the song, Oh Come All Ye Faithful. And the words basically are an invite to all of God's people, all of us broken people, to join in worshiping that the Christ is born. So as you feel comfortable, feel free to join in singing um, with us. But if you would please stand, we'll get started.
Reconciled, John. 
are Emmanuel. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn Our scripture reading this morning comes from John chapter 12, verses 42 through 47. Hear God's word. At the same time, many, even among the Jewish leaders, believed in Jesus. But because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved praise from men more than they loved praise from God. Then Jesus cried out, When a man believes in me, he does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. When he looks at me, he sees the one who sent me. I have come into this world as a light, so that no one believes in me should stay in darkness. As for the person who hears my words, but does not keep them, I do not judge them. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our next song is the song, Just As I Am. I pray that during this time, um, I'll invite you to stay seated. Um, and we'll stand when we get to the part that says, I am welcomed with open arms, just as I am. So please join us in singing. my soul of one dark blood 
as we are, we come. We come and confess because we have a loving God. Please join me in prayer. Merciful God, we confess that we have sinned. We've sinned against you in thought and in word and in deed and by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart and mind and strength. And the scripture we read earlier, it's convicting, Lord. We love praise from men more than praise from you. In your mercy, forgive us and transform us by the power of your Holy Spirit so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. We come. We come just as we are, but we don't leave that way. 
because God doesn't let us stay where we are. He transforms us by the power of his Holy Spirit. So please stand. Stand, people of God, in the full assurance of pardon through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hear our words. Hear words from our Savior from John chapter 8. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Amen. What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? Who angels greet with anthem sweet while shepherds watch our Please pray with me, whether you're at home or, or if you're here. Dear Father, Lord, we, uh, we just come to you this morning. Um, we just thank you for allowing those that are here in order to come to your home uh, to worship together. Those that are at home, Lord, worship, worship with us there too, Lord. We just pray that your Holy Spirit move in, in every place, in every home that you're in this morning, Lord, as we go through our, our service today, Lord. We just lift up Mark to you right now, Lord, and we just pray that you would have him speak, speak truth. 
um, open our ears to hear, Lord, the words that he has for us today, Lord. Lord, you are an awesome God. Lord, we just thank you for your, your love for us. We just thank you for, for everything that you've done for, for not only us, Lord, but everybody that, uh, that you have created, Lord. Uh, Lord, we just, we just come to you, Lord, with special needs this morning, Lord. Uh, uh, right now, Lord, I just lift up Rachel to you, um, and we just ask that you would just help her, Lord. I know she's got some, some issues, Lord, and we just, Lord, we just, she needs your hand on her, Lord. And, Lord, we just thank you for, for those people outside, Lord, witnessing to her right now, Lord. We just, we just ask that they give them the right words to say um, to her, to comfort her, Lord. And again, we just, ha we just know you're in control of that situation there, Lord. Lord, for people in our congregation, Lord, that uh, with health issues, Lord, uh, Lord, we just uh, think of Sal right now, Lord. We just pray that uh, you would heal him, Lord. We know he's had a rough time, Lord, in ICU, Lord, and, uh, you know, a new tracheotomy, Lord. Uh, for him, Lord, we just pray that that would heal, and, and Lord, that uh, you give those doctors dealing with him the wisdom that they need to, to do the right things with Sal. And we pray for the family, Lord, for Kathy, Lord. Uh, just comfort her, give her strength in this time as well, Lord. Lord, we know Lynette's sister is in need of, of prayer, Lord. We just pray for her right now, Lord, uh, with her condition, Lord. We just, we just pray that you would just help her through. Um, Lord, we... Kay and, and Terry Craft, Lord, both have a brother, Lord, in serious condition, Lord. We just pray that, that their needs, Lord, uh, whether it be comfort, whether it be healing, whatever your will is, Lord, we just pray that you would just take care of them as well. And again, for just for Terry and and Kay, that they would have the right words to say to them and to the family, Lord. Uh, again, we just trust you in all things, Lord. We know that you are in control of all things, Lord. Others of us here, Lord, we have anxiety. We have stress, Lord. We, Lord, we just pray that we could turn that over to you, Lord, and that you would just take care of us, Lord. Give us peace in the things that we are doing. Lord, others have medical conditions, Lord. You know, I, I think right now, uh, uh, Jerry and Muriel, Lord, we just lift them up to you right now, Lord. Just take care of them. Uh, give them comfort, healing. Uh, again, Lord, uh, you are the healer, Lord. We just pray that you would just take care of them, Lord. Lord, just tough times here, Lord, with this virus, Lord. Again, we just thank you for all the doctors that, that you put to serve, all the nurses that are serving, Lord. We just pray for their health, Lord. Just keep them healthy, Lord, so that they can continue to serve the people that, that, that their heart is, is there to serve, Lord. Lord, we just thank you for the science that you've given us to create a vaccine, Lord. Lord, we just pray that it would be effective, uh, that you would use your scientists, Lord, to, to help us with the cure for this and to, to help with this vaccine to have it work, Lord, so that we can get back, Lord, to coming to your home together without worry and without having to wear a mask, Lord. We just look forward to those times, Lord. Lord, we just pray for the people that are in charge of our country, Lord. In this time of change, Lord, we just pray that it would all go smoothly, Lord, that uh, this time of devices, Lord, that you would bring us all together. Lord, again, we just know that you are in charge, Lord, and we are Christians first, Lord, and we just want to serve you, Lord. Help us to serve other people. Give us a heart for that, Lord. Lord, we just pray that, that we would just lift up one another, Lord, in your name, and we just love each other the way that you would have us love them. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. I think I'm good. All right. Good morning to you, uh, you few who are here, and uh, a special good morning to all of you who are at home. You know, we're working through some serious technical challenges. 
we're doing our very best to make this a good experience uh, for you who are at, at home. Um, we've had some challenges here in the building. We've got some challenges online. We've got some challenges in the technology world. Um, but we trust that God is in charge and uh, we're going to keep on pressing on. I guess I want to say also to those of you who are at home, thank you for understanding our concerns as leaders for the well-being of our church. We've heard from some who were upset and who felt that the leadership was uh, in some ways being insensitive to the needs of the vulnerable and the elderly. Um, as we requested that you know, we refrain from gathering as we'd been over the last few weeks, I can tell you that we, we really sought the wisdom and the will of God and we prayed and considered the options as we saw them. And in the end, it was our view that the risks are real and they're elevated, truly elevated now at this time. And that the illness or death of one of our own due to carelessness on our part would be tragic and foolish and would multiply our sorrows as a church body. And as leaders of the church, we ask you to give us grace and support as we make these difficult decisions and go through these difficult times. And that brings us right into our sermon, right? I entitled it, What Are You Waiting For? Because for many, 2020 has felt like one long slog through the mud. We've had a global pandemic. We've had an unstable economy and businesses struggling. We've had the isolation of quarantine and online school. We had epic wildfires and hurricanes. We've, our nation has suffered with civil unrest, with racial tension, with a divisive election and corrosive public discourse. 2020 has reminded us again and again and again of our smallness, of our powerlessness, our sin and collective brokenness, our mortality and vulnerability. And as this year comes to a close, we long, like perhaps never before, for something better, don't we? We long for joy and ful fulfillment, for fellowship and peace. In other words, 2020 has primed us for the ache that is Advent. Advent is a season where we enter into the waiting and the watching, the longing for and the looking for the Messiah. Through our practices in worship, we experience that tension of waiting, of counting down the weeks and the days until the birth of the Christ child. Even as we celebrate the Messiah's first coming, though, we wait and even ache for that second coming when God will dwell with us forever, when everything broken will be made new and made right again. That is our hope. Am I right? Now we all wait. We all wait sometimes with short horizons, sometimes with long horizons, sometimes with great expectation, and sometimes with little hope. And it will soon be clear that our waiting as Christians is very closely tied up with the idea of hope. 
Because Christian hope is a confident expectation combined with a deep desire for the good things of God. And since hope always refers to the future, and we hope for things we don't yet have or fully have, we have to wait. We must wait for those things to come in their appointed time. And today I want to share with you the story of the presentation of the baby Jesus at the temple. I want to share in that story that earnestly desiring and patiently waiting for the deliverance of the Messiah, for the Messiah to deliver us, is the very essence of Christian hope. So I'm going to read for you Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 38. Kay's going to put an image up on the screen. I want you just to look at the image and listen to the words. Starting in Luke 2.22. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him into his arms And he praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. They were astonished, is what that means. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher, She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped day and night, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and she spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. This is the word of the Lord. Today, we'll ask three questions of this text. What are Simeon and Anna waiting for? How are they waiting for it? And what happens when they finally get what they're waiting for? What are Simeon and Anna waiting for? Well, Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel. 
That's what verse 25 says. And Anna was waiting in verse 38 for the redemption of Jerusalem. Both of these phrases refer to the coming of the Messiah. They are connected to all the prophetic texts, all the expectations for the Lord's anointed one, or the Messiah, or the Christ in Greek, the Lord's anointed one. The same words, basically. Many of these writings are from the prophet Isaiah, who began writing sometime around the middle of the 8th century B.C., 740 B.C., let's say. I want to read you a short example from Isaiah 52, verses 8 through 10. Listen, your watchmen lift up their voices. Together they shout for joy. When the Lord returns to Zion, they will see it with their own eyes. Burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. So did Simeon and Anna know exactly what they were looking for? Did they know what this baby Jesus was going to be? Probably not. Seems unlikely. They were surely influenced by their cultural environment and like all Jews living under Roman occupation and remembering their long history of exile and, and oppression, they longed for the political deliverance of Israel. And like Zechariah's response in Luke chapter 1, their responses suggest that their messianic hopes probably included overthrow of the Roman rule. But Simeon, at least, saw somewhat more deeply into this mystery of the gospel. Because he says that Jesus will be a light for revelation to the Gentiles prepared in the sight of all nations. He's referring to Isaiah 42.6 and 52.10. He understands that the anointed one comes not merely as a political savior to the nation of Israel, but also to fulfill the promise to Abraham in Genesis 12, that all peoples on earth will be blessed through him and his descendants. But I think there's also a personal dimension to this encounter with the Messiah. And seeing this child unleashed joy and worship in Simeon. That's why I love that image. Without knowing exactly how it worked, Simeon knew instinctively and confidently that this baby was the answer to his deepest desire. Somehow, mysteriously, this child would be a deliverer to Simeon would be a savior to Simeon himself. So they are waiting for the anointed one. That's what Simeon and Anna are waiting for. And how are they waiting for the anointed one? Well, we don't know much about them. We know that Simeon was righteous and devout. So righteous for a Jew was adherent to the law, morally upright and just. And devout is someone who's devoted or fervently committed to God. Simeon describes himself as God's servant in verse 29. He yields to the will of his Lord and Master. We know that both were older. Simeon was presumably at an age where death was near since the Holy Spirit had promised him that his death would be delayed until he saw 
the Lord's Messiah. Anna, we know, was widowed at a young age, probably in her early 20s. Now 84, she had spent most of the past 60 years serving in the temple area. Verse 37 tells us she was worshiping God night and day, fasting and praying. You get the picture, right? She sold out for God. And although both of them would be considered elderly, even by today's standards, neither one of them thought that God was finished with them. Sometimes in our youth-obsessed culture, those who are younger seem to think that those who are older have little to offer anymore. And sometimes those who are older seem to believe that. They seem to believe that they have nothing more to give. And I submit to you that neither of those are right and neither of those are right for the church. Over the past few months, I've heard about some hurt feelings among some of the older members of our church. Some have said that they feel invisible or abandoned or undervalued, that no one cares about their opinion. Dealing honestly and thoroughly with those kinds of feelings will take some extended graceful conversations and deep forgiveness and more probably. And I plead with any of you who feel grieved not to hold on to your grievances, not to foster division in any way, but to go to those who've offended you and seek reconciliation and to call and talk to the elders and deacons about what you need in order to grow and flourish and thrive in Christ and tell them how you wish to serve in the body of Christ at New Life Church. Because one thing I know is that at every age, every one of us are called to love God with all our heart and soul and strength and mind and to love his church and to serve God by loving one another and our neighbor. There is no expiration date on those commandments. I would argue that there is really no place for retirement in the kingdom of God. Now, you can retire from your working life, but you can never retire from life of service to the Lord. Working for his glory in the kingdom of God is a lifelong calling. And here in this passage, we have a beautiful picture of two people nearing the end of their life, still serving God full steam ahead. And now, only now, far past what most people would consider the prime of their life, do they reach the very pinnacle of joy and satisfaction in God? As they beheld the child Messiah and experienced the fulfillment of God's promises. So again, how are they waiting? They're waiting with their hope firmly placed in God. And hope always requires waiting. For them, hope was centered on God's promises of Messiah's deliverance. 700 years earlier, Isaiah had promised some of this. They and their ancestors had waited and waited generation after generation through exile and restoration and oppression and occupation. And they had waited 
trusting and earnestly desiring that God would provide a deliverer. So today we stand here 2,000 years after the birth of our Lord. And Christian hope still remains centered on God's promises in Jesus. We hope in him when we earnestly desire and when we patiently wait for the Messiah to deliver us. Now for Simeon and Anna, this question has another dimension because they waited under the special direction of the Holy Spirit too, right? We learn in verse 25, 26, and 27, three mentions of the Holy Spirit on Simeon. We see that the presence and the power of the Spirit rested on him and that most certainly that shaped his, his identity and his character and his, uh, his purpose. We see that the Spirit, in revealing that he would see the Messiah before death, reset and refocused his expectations and his hopes and his priorities. And receptive to the impulse of the Holy Spirit, Simeon was moved to God's place at God's time with God's message for God's glory. And Anna, too, is empowered by the Holy Spirit. She's called a prophet, one who speaks the truth of God by the power of the Spirit. Luke describes her life of service in the temple, worshiping day and night as a way of establishing her credibility as one responsive to the Spirit and as a righteous witness to the coming of the Messiah. Simeon and Anna made room in their lives for the Holy Spirit. It seems to me that their age was an advantage to them in this relationship, in their communion with God. Because years of temple worship and service and years of prayer and years of waiting on God and years of reading the scriptures and meditating on them and listening for God's promise had prepared them in a way that nothing else could for this glorious moment. They were good soil into which the Spirit of God took root and yielded good fruit, including the fruit of righteousness and devotion and a firm hope in God. Oh God, may I be like Simeon and Anna as I continue to age righteous and devout and filled with the Holy Spirit. That is my prayer. And I ask you, are you making room in your heart for the Holy Spirit to rest on you and empower you? You don't have to be old. In fact, you're never too young and never too old to seek the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And when the Spirit rests on us, we experience that assurance of our hope in God. So they've, they're waiting for the Messiah. They're waiting, their hope is in God, right? That's how they're waiting, is with hope and expectation and eager desire for God's deliverance. Well, what happens when they finally get what they're waiting for? Well, this is a bit of a trick question because in truth, they get what they're waiting for, but only in part. Their hope for salvation is not really fully realized. It's another one of those already but not yet moments in faith. What a beautiful picture of faith, though. Simeon is satisfied 
in seeing this child. He doesn't need to see the deliverance of Israel. He doesn't need to see the ministry of Jesus or the cross or the resurrection. He believes God will save without knowing exactly how the whole thing will work itself out. It's enough for him to know that God keeps his promises. His hope is sure. And when each of them see the baby Messiah, the first thing that happens is worship. Simeon takes the child into his arms and praises God. And Anna thanks God and speaks to all those who are there waiting for the redemption of Israel. See, worship is always the right response for us when we encounter God, and especially when he provides, when he delivers on his promises. Simeon, as he sees the fulfillment of the special promise of God to him, experiences an otherworldly peace. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, now dismiss your servant in peace. He's saying that he's ready to die. He has by faith seen the Lord's Messiah and his own salvation. Having nothing more to desire, he eagerly awaits the entrance to eternity. And however unclear that looked to him, he trusted that the Lord would care for him in death as he had cared for him in life. He was unafraid. He was confident in God. God himself was Simeon's hope. And how much more than do we have hope? Just like all the heroes of faith in Hebrews 11, Simeon and Anna didn't receive the fullness of the promise. They saw it from a distance. To us, the mystery of God in the gospel has been fully revealed. We have seen how this child has come to deliver us. We have seen how he's the light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of Israel. I think this image of Simeon is a beautiful and fitting image. Only when we have seen the Messiah, when we have acknowledged Jesus for who he is and bowed to him in worship, are we ready to meet our creator. The only way to stand at the threshold of eternity, to stand before God unafraid, is to stand clothed in the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. If we've repented of our sinful ways and trusted our lives to Jesus Christ, we can stand unafraid in life and in death. We have nothing to fear. Have you seen the Messiah by faith that way? The last question really is, what are you waiting for? What are your deepest desires, your earnest desires and hopes for the future? What is it that will console you as Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel? Is it health and wellness? For many, that's it. Or financial security? Or happiness in relationship? Or thrilling experiences? Or recognition or approval from others? 2020 is almost over. What are your hopes for 2021? And beyond, really. Because I guarantee you that there will be wars, 
There will be disasters. There will be economic hardship. There will be divisive political discourse. There will be betrayal personally and failure. There will be illness and death. This world is not what it was meant to be. And it is not yet what it one day will be. We still need deliverance from this world of sin. We still need deliverance from the sorrow that we face. We still wait for the Lord Jesus to bring to completion the redemption of the whole creation, to heal the nations, to right every wrong. Come, Lord Jesus. Come to rescue us. Come to deliver us. And if you wish to experience the peace and joy that Simeon experienced at seeing the Messiah child, while we wait for Jesus to come again, if you wish to approach death with tranquility, if you want the Holy Spirit to rest on you, if you wish to live a life of service and devotion by the power of Christ in you, then set your hope fully on Jesus Christ. Earnestly desire and patiently wait for the deliverance of our Lord, the deliverance of our Savior in every circumstance. So what are you waiting for? Let's pray. Oh Lord Jesus, we wait for you. Our hope is in you. Where else can we place our hope? Salvation is found in no one else. Lord, we thank you for the promises that you will come again. And we look forward to the day when you make all things right. When you dry every tear and you right every wrong. when justice and mercy meet. And when we see your glory as you really are, our hope is in you. We confidently await you. We earnestly desire you. Come, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Please stand and join us for our final song this morning.
I apologize for the dramatic pause. <laughs> it's a long walk from the uh, sound booth. So, well, we got through our we got through our first Google Meet service, and I just want to thank everybody for all the hard work and for those of you watching online for your patience. And uh, please let us know uh, what we could do better in the future, other than get rid of get rid of COVID, which is always a good idea. So. In response to our time of worship, and as we think about the week that we have coming up, which is going to be a doozy, I hope that you'll all be encouraged by this passage from Hebrews chapter 11. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, Refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter, he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. Amen. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, may you be encouraged to run the race set before you this week. Look to Jesus and go with his blessing. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.